I'm Brian Howell from buffzone.com. And I'm Adam Munster Tiger from buffstampede.com. And uh, we do this a couple of times a year, Brian. We collaborate on a podcast. We do obviously do the analysis videos throughout the season in spring ball. I don't want to sound all high and mighty here, but maybe the, the Big Ten could learn from us on how a collaboration is supposed to work. <laughs> yeah, we have an actual alliance, right? Not some loose agreement and things like that. Uh, you know, we've actually, you know, been able to partner together and, uh, you know, use this for good over the last several years. So, you know, we've, we've managed to make it work. You know, maybe we should uh, be at the table with uh, some of these conferences and helping them out. A year after ESPN and the SEC steal Oklahoma in Texas from the Big 12, Fox in the Big 10 steal the LA market from the Pac-12. It's crazy, Brian, the estimation that 40% of the conference's projected revenue for its next TV contract disappeared when USC and UCLA made that move. And uh, I'm just curious, what was your initial reaction when this news broke last Thursday? Well, I I was probably like most people, and I was kind of shocked, you know, to see that it happened. And, you know, I had a good conversation with Joel Klatt uh, the other day. And, um, you know, my reaction is kind of the same as him is that, you know, he said I was shocked, but then really, I, you know, it makes sense that USC was exploring it because, you know, his comment to me was, you know, look, USC was put in a position where it was, you know, asked to, you know, carry 11 other schools and be the flagship of the Pac-12. And USC finally was like, all right, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to go, uh, you know, be in the Big Ten. So it makes sense, but I was shocked. I mean, I, I didn't think that – I just never saw that coming. And maybe that's on me, but, like, a lot of people didn't see it coming. It just – it still uh, blows me away that uh, USC and UCLA are not going to be in the, in the Pac-12. Yeah, and then I think it was natural. All the speculation was, okay, now is Washington and Oregon going to follow them? Because – from a geographical standpoint, it's just it's a logistical nightmare. Uh, I get that money is going to trump all that, but that was a part of it that, that surprised me the most since Thursday is that the Big Ten says, okay, we got the LA market, we're fine. And you're thinking about all the travel that those two schools are going to do. And I don't know if they're necessarily going to regret it, but it's certainly going to be a, a major issue for them once they join the conference in 2024. Yeah, although uh, they're going to get in a position where they can afford a lot of charter flights, so they should be okay. You're still going to uh, be on the plane for that many hours, though, right? Yeah, that's true. You know, it, that part of it is not going to be great, but I mean, the money they're going to make is uh, is huge. It, it probably, I mean, that's what they're thinking about. I mean, it's all about money at this point. And you know, I I thought the natural thing was Oregon and Washington maybe go next, but you know, the bottom line is if if you look at the projections and. Yeah, and the and the Big Ten is going to make a hundred what ten million dollars per school in a few years. You've got to, if they're going to add anybody, it's got to be a school that's going to add to that, right? Or at least not bring that down. And uh, there's really nobody out there. I mean, even Oregon is as uh, you know big of a profile school as they are, they're not going to match that. I mean, they can't bring in one hundred ten million dollars a year. And uh, even I don't know what the projection is for the next few years, but you know, they don't bring in that kind of money as the LA market. So um, it doesn't make a lot of sense for the big 10 to expand more. Larry Scott is an easy punching bag. And that's for good reason. You hire a tennis person to run a power conference where it's football that butters the bread. And you've got this commissioner that wants to highlight Olympic sports. And so they're still paying for the horrible decisions that he made during his 12 year tenure 
you bring in George Klyovkov and he's saying and seemingly doing the right things, you know, such a tough job that he walked into. And so as a human being, you feel bad for the guy. I mean, he was on vacation in Montana when the news broke that UCLA and USC are leaving. But I think if there is one piece of criticism to be thrown at Klyovkov, it's that it's kind of his job to have a pulse on the situation. And clearly yeah. he didn't have that. Yeah. Uh, and you can throw that blame at him. Um, but it doesn't sound like a whole lot of people had uh, a pulse for that, you know, had that, that feel. Um, I personally, I agree with you. I feel bad for him. Um, everything we hear, you know, from Rick George and, and others is they really like Klyovkov. It sounds like he's, he was going to be really good for this conference, but may not get a chance to show it, you know, and that, and that's kind of the bad thing is that he might've been the right guy, uh, you know, to lead the, the conference into the future. But um, there was just so much mess to clean up that uh, it couldn't get cleaned up, you know, obviously, you know, with, uh, with USC and USA leaving and he may not get a chance to show how good of a, of a commissioner he could have been for this conference. We'll see. Maybe he pulls a rabbit out of his hat. That's what, you know, the remaining PAC schools are kind of hoping at this point. Uh, but it's crazy. I, you know, I knew that television revenue is what was kind of driving college football and a lot of these conference realignment decisions. But to the level that these television wars have become, you know, especially between Fox and ESPN, it's, it's kind of out of control. I'm a little confused, though, when they talk about being able to claim these markets, Brian, the Big Ten claims the New York market because of Rutgers, but how many people in New York are actually subscribing to a sports tier package to watch that on TV? I'm kind of confused about that part of it. Yeah, it, the whole thing is interesting because you can look at the markets, but how much do people actually watch those programs? I mean, yes, Rutgers has the New York market, like you said. Uh, what is it, 10-something million uh, in that market? Uh, was what I think it was the number I saw, but how many people actually tune into Rutgers football? Um, I have no idea. It's got to be a very small percentage of that. So how many viewers do they actually have? Now, obviously, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, they have a lot of viewers uh, and probably th they get more viewers than maybe their market would show. Uh, but and so it probably evens out. But, you know, the New York market, how valuable is that? Probably not a hot, probably not huge. And so now the on the field product is taking a back seat to you know, the, the television companies and all that. And I don't want to sound naive or, you know, but it's just, it's really sad to see what's happened to the college football that we grew up loving. Right. I thought Ryan Rosillo on his podcast this week ha had a really good take and he was kind of going school to school that, that has switched conferences and Utah's really one of the few that's actually switched conferences and had a better situation. In, in most cases, you look back and, and kind of miss the conference you were in, and I would lump Colorado into that. I don't. The experience they've had in the Pac-12 the last eleven years is nowhere near what they were expecting when they joined the conference. And so, yeah, you've got these programs that have to chase the TV dollars, but uh, in the end, it, it's it's not a move that fan bases really like over time. It's you know, I would say that. If you could have the old Big 12 with, you know, Missouri and, and Nebraska, I would think most fans in those fan bases would would want to have it back the way it used to be. Yeah, and there's probably a lot of them. A lot of the fans that travel are probably glad they're going to, you know, L.A. and San Francisco instead of Ames and in, in Columbia, Missouri. But, you know, as far as on the field, you know, I think that fans probably do miss, you know, CU-Missouri rivalry. And that's not, that's not a huge one, but, 
I mean, is there anything even in the Pac-12 right now that, that matches CU Missouri? Probably not, you know, CU Kansas State. You know, you talk to Matt McChesney, and he's like, I hate Kansas State. <laughs> you know, we hate each other, you know, and, and that was maybe an understated rivalry. And, and obviously CU Nebraska is is was the big one for the Buffs, but there's all those other ones as well that were really good rivalries that, you know, I mean, you and I have covered the this team since they've the whole time they've been in the Pac-12. Do you feel any animosity between teams when we go any of these places? No, and you know, there's some decent environments. Autzen Stadium is a pretty cool place to be for yeah. a college football game, but I threw this out on Twitter. It's kind of this wine and cheese culture in the Pac-12 that I just don't really like. You know, I yeah. the fact that CU fans hate Baylor, especially, you know, kind of what happened at the end of leaving the conference and all that, but if they went back in the Big 12, CU would be kind of hated by a lot of those programs. And I say that would be awesome because right. that would create a lot of animosity, which is good when you're talking about college sports. Now we'll, we'll see how good CU is um, and whether that's a good thing that they're hated because they might want to take things out if the buffs aren't very good. Uh, well, I don't but think yeah. the players on the field would necessarily care, right? I right. You're right. Bases, that would just create this, this environment that would be really fun. Right. But and do CU fans, I don't get involved with that. So the fans are better ones to ask this, but do CU fans ever stir things up with uh, Stanford fans? Probably not. <laughs> do they stir things up with Cal fans? Probably not. You know, Washington state. No, but they had, a, with, they had a little bit of a reputation though, back in the, in the big 12 though. Yes. And so, uh, you know, would they with Iowa state fans, probably maybe lesser than Missouri and Kansas state, but there's some of that. I mean, Oklahoma state there's history there. I mean, there's, there's some big time games that have happened between these these teams, and you know, you know, you just don't have that right now. And so, so yeah, I mean, I'm torn on where you know where CU should go or where that where I would like to see them go. But um, you know, you mentioned kind of the nostalgia for the the old school college football the way it was, and and I a dozen years into this, I still miss it. You know, I still miss uh, some of those Big Twelve matchups. It's not really the Power Five anymore, I guess. Right, but it kind of sucks for three of the five former, I guess you could say power five conferences right now. If you're not a, a fan of an sec or big 10 program, it's not fun. And then even some of those sec and big 10 programs because of NIL are at a disadvantage and just a lack of regulation on that. So you've got this list of college football halves that, that is pretty short and that gap keeps dividing the have-nots in that list of have-nots keeps growing. It grew last Thursday. You've got the ACC that's in a horrible television contract locked up until, what is it, 2036? Yeah. It's just sad to look across college football, and then you've got USC and UCLA. You know They're going to be raking in boatloads of cash, but it just it kind of sucks to be a college football fan if you're not a fan of a, a handful of programs right now. Yeah, and, and kind of it's funny, too, because you have like, Vanderbilt is a have because they're in the SEC, but they're really a have not, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's funny that they're in a better position than uh, than even a Clemson or Miami or Oregon. You know, uh, Vanderbilt's in a better position. You know, Rutgers is in a better position, uh, and they probably shouldn't be, but uh, they are because of where they're at. But yeah, it, it, it's tough right now to know where where's where's your team going to be. You know, and uh, again, I, I referenced my conversation with Clap, but. Uh, you know, he mentioned to me, he's like, look, I mean, the teams I feel bad for, like Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, and Washington State. I mean, 
and all this talk of like where people are going to go, those are the four schools nobody mentions going anywhere. And, you know, could it be if we see the mountain schools, the Arizona schools and Oregon, Washington, there's a rumor, you know, or one of the things thrown out there is those six go to the big 12. Well, then that leaves those other four pac 12 teams. What do they do? I mean, they're kind of on the outside and, you know, Clyde did mention me, he goes, if you're a Colorado fan and think Colorado's, you know, kind of one of the outs, he goes, you're, they're not, I mean, they've got, there's always that lifeline of the, of the big 12 available to them. So, you know, Colorado's probably in a decent position and had another conversation with someone earlier today that I mentioned to you, but, um, you know, he told me, he said, Colorado's in a good position because of where they're at and they can kind of pick and choose where they want to go. And, uh, you know, the, they, they've got two good options, whether it's stay in the pac 12 or, you know, go to the big 12. And I think there's good options for them. One thing I was confused by in the story you did with Joel Klatt, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think he said something along the lines of college football was too big that this needed to happen. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, that, he meant, good, go, ahead. go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just, just going to say that that was part of the allure of college football is that you have, it's kind of regional and national at the same time. And so you get yeah. different flares, different styles in these different markets and you can turn on the TV at one o'clock on a Saturday and bounce around to these different conferences. And it's just, it was so fun to see the different styles and the different cultures that all kind of have a, a different feel to them. Right. And so now you're cutting that down and, and you're having LA schools playing Maryland. It just, that part of it, I don't agree with Joel Clowley. Well, I think what he was saying there is that the sport itself has gotten so big money wise that this was, this, this was inevitable to happen because it's become, um, you know, really second to the NFL in a lot of ways. And, you know, the NBA is obviously up there as, as well. And, you know, you could, maybe it's even higher, but um, it's, it's become a bigger deal money-wise, I think is what he's referring to is that there's so much money in the sport now than there was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that, that it was inevitable to happen because there's so much money to go chase at this point. Okay. I, I see it from that standpoint. Yeah. I think he was also tweeting out that this will end up being a good thing for college football it's going to take a long time for that to, to manifest itself though. I mean, we're, we're yeah. kind of stuck into this holding pattern with uh, a super two in terms of the conferences, right. For a while, it's, it's hard to envision that changing anytime soon. Yeah. And, and he mentioned that to me as well. Um, he actually said, Hey, I was hammered on Twitter for this, but he goes, my thought is, is this, and, and he knows he goes, it might be five, 10 years down the road uh, that we're talking, but he believes that, Eventually it will be a better sport. And, and, you know, I agree with him in that, you know, because what he's talking about is the governance part of it, um, that this sport needs to get away from the NCAA that has, you know, his point is there's not a whole lot of governance right now. And that it's just kind of the free for all and this, and this model right now is not working. He thinks it's going to be a better model because there's going to be better governance. And there's um, you'll get to a point that if, if it's the big 12 and or big 10 and SEC running things that, they'll kind of dictate a calendar and here's the recruiting calendar. Here's the, the transfer portal calendar. Here's, you know, the, here's the time when coaches can leave and, and get hired, you know, that they'll, they'll, that, that kind of will be set up sort of like the NFL has. I mean, there's a free agency period in the NFL. Um, he also thinks that, uh, you know, there, there will eventually be a better path to a national title um, even for schools that are maybe in that second tier Um which is what the Pac-12 and you know Big 12 might be, right? Um, he thinks there'll be a better path because right now he goes, there's no path really. I mean, it's it's four teams, and so you've got a handful of teams that could get in there. But 
there could be eventually a situation where maybe it's 12 teams and the SEC takes four, the Big Ten takes four, and then they say, all right, we're going to give the Big 12 two, the Big 12, Pac-12, whatever, and then the ACC two. And, uh, but you know now that's your path. Be one of the top two in your conference, even if you're the second tier. There's no question college football needs leadership. Uh, yeah. I, that much I agree with him. I just have a hard time envisioning a scenario when you've got Big Ten schools raking in $110 million that they're going to want to listen to anybody that there's going to be leadership at any time in the near future. I don't know. I just I have a hard time picturing how that's going to come together. Well, yeah, and I agree with you, although I would say that even with them making that kind of money, I still think that like the Big Ten and SEC need these other schools, you know, because they, they need them um, you know, scheduling purposes, things like that. They don't want to just play each other all the time, you know, and, you know, they might look at whatever's left uh, from the, from everybody else as second tier, but uh, you know, you don't want to play the elite of the elite every single week. You know, you want to play, you know, a Kansas <laughs> every now and then you might want to play Colorado every now and then, right. The way the buffs are right now. So um, I think they're kind of, kind of, maybe going to need that and it makes the sport better. And when it's national, and I think that, that there's people that are going to recognize that they might be the Kings, but they're going to need those other, those other schools. I think at the very beginning of the week, the, the reports that CU Utah, the Arizona schools and possibly Oregon and Washington would move to the big 12 that, that had a lot of steam to it. Uh, but from what I can gather, at least this is, this is the sense I got. I'm curious what you feel, Brian, is that, Arizona wants to go to the Big 12. That would be huge mm-hmm. for them on the basketball side of things. And they're kind of fed up with everything. Um, but I don't think there's as much legs to that as, as some of those reports made it seem. And uh, from everything I'm hearing, a partnership with the, the, the Pac-12 and ACC and how that looks, I don't know. Um, yeah. ESPN is going to be the driving force there. Uh, but it seems like that's got a lot more possibility or likelihood, I guess I should say, than a move to the big 12, at least as we record this July 7th at 1130 AM. Yeah. You know, and I think the big 12 makes a lot of sense, especially for Colorado and, you know, those other schools, but um, you know, the report from last weekend was that, that it was moving fast and that those schools were going to be meeting on Tuesday. And uh, you know, you and I both heard that that wasn't really true, that there wasn't a whole lot of lakes to that. So um I agree with you that it's probably driven a lot by Arizona. There's probably more, there seems to be more urgency from the Arizona side than the other schools at this point. Um, this is going to sound, CU fans aren't going to want to hear it the way this way, but um, I do think that like a, a school like Colorado wants to kind of sit and listen to what's going to happen with the PAC 12. And that sounds reactionary instead of being proactive, but I think in some ways you have to do that right now. You've got to, listen to what's going to happen with this media rights uh, negotiations, figure out what your best deal is. You don't want to make a rational or an irrational decision and just say, all right, we're leaving. We're out. We're going to the big 12. I mean, you want to hear what's going on with the media rights, uh, what ESPN has to say in regard to some sort of uh, loose agreement with the, with the ACC, uh, because you, you got to go where the money is. And, And if you find out, if you jump to the big 12 today and then you find out, that uh, you could have made more money by staying uh, in the Pac-12 and having that alliance with the ACC, well, then you're going to look foolish. So um, I think that there's some value in kind of being patient a little bit. Oregon's the only reason the Pac-12 
still exists right now, right? I mean, this probably right. would have blown up by now if it wasn't for them. Yeah, I mean, I think if the Big Ten was interested, Oregon and Washington would have left a few days ago, and then all of a sudden it's just a free for all. And I think by now you've already you've already got CU going to the Big Twelve. Uh, but I agree with you. I think Oregon and to probably a lesser extent Washington are keeping this thing together right now. So as things look right now, that's Big Ten is not going to be an option for Oregon and Washington. So yep. uh, that's what makes me think that this collaboration, partnership, whatever you want to say, those words make CU fans cringe, rightfully so, because of the alliance that we had announced last summer, which we could sp- spend an hour making fun of that. That was ridiculous. Right. Uh, <laughs> but so th- that said, CU is at least in a good position in the sense that they're not getting left out. They're not going to be going to the Mountain West Conference. So they will play uh, a, a decent schedule in a conference yep. that is fairly well-respected, but there's going to be a huge gap between whatever they end up playing in the 2024 going forward than what the Big Ten and SEC schools are. I'm curious if the negotiations here during this 30-day window have projections that are similar to what the Big 12 could offer. Let's say, I don't know, what would you say is most likely? $35 million a year? Yeah, I think, the, weren't they at 35 38 at this uh, so point in that range, let's say yeah. a Pac-12 ACC type partnership, well, however that looks, would be about the same as joining the Big 12. If you're Phil DeStefano and Rick George, what would you do? That's a tough one. If, if it's if it's similar, I'd probably stay where I'm at. Okay. Um, just because, I don't know, that's tough because, I mean, either way, you're not getting the LA market, right? So either way, you're not in LA. You're not traveling to play games in LA in front of your alumni and in front of recruits. So, uh, you know, either way you don't have that, but I think that there's still a lot of value for, you've got a lot of alums on the West coast. I think there's value in that. They've got a lot of alums in Northern California. They'd still be going there if they stayed in the PAC 12. So, um, I think I'd stay with that, you know, at this point. Um, okay. I don't think there's necessarily a need to jump to the big 12. If everything's going to be the same on both sides, what do you think? Personally, Again, I talked about it. I hate the lack of passion in the Pac-12. I just I think it's a stale conference from that standpoint, from an enjoyable factor. I yeah. get that. Don't get me wrong. We we were eating a full crab on the pier in, in San Francisco a few years ago. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> but from the actual football aspect of it, I, I miss the passion of the Big 12. And, and I totally understand it wouldn't be the same without Oklahoma, Texas, Missouri, Nebraska. I, I get that. Uh, so personally, I would kind of root for a move to the Big 12, but I think what would keep CU uh, in line with what you would do is the academic side. And that's the part of it that yeah. I tend to keep forgetting about is the academic side. And I think that part of it is what will keep CU in the Pac-12. One thing I will mention, well, well first off, I, I would I would much rather have a full crab in San Francisco than Manhattan, Kansas. Yeah. That's for sure. Uh, um, one thing I will mention, um, again, referencing my conversation with Joel, is that uh, you know the one thing he did say to me, he goes, he mentioned basically the big name schools that are left football wise. Then it's like Oregon, Washington, Clemson, Miami, Florida State, right? Those are probably the big ones. Then Notre Dame, obviously. But he said to me, he goes, so what conference are none of those teams in? It's a big 12. He said the one thing about the big 12 is they don't have anybody in that conference left that the other, that the big boys want to poach. 
and that makes them probably the most stable conference of all <laughs> because yeah yeah because because those teams aren't going to get poached i mean the big 10 doesn't want anybody any of those other teams the sec doesn't want any of those other teams and so maybe for stability the big 12 is the best option for cu because cu is not going to be poached by those either but if they stay in some sort of alliance and then a few years down the road clemson leaves miami leaves florida state leaves oregon leaves well now they're they're in the same boat again and so um you know that's why i'm kind of wishy-washy on this i don't necessarily well, know big 12 uh Pac-12. Oregon has to have some grant of rights situation to where it's ironclad. They can't get out. Otherwise, if you're Colorado, you can't feel comfortable about that. Right. And, and obviously, you know, as we know from your know, reports, I mean, the ACC has that as well. There's a grant of rights that those schools cannot leave, you know, until like 2036 or whatever. So maybe we're, maybe it's not a factor, but I do think I, I'm sort of uh, <laughs> agreeing with you a little bit on the big t- 12 that maybe that's the most stable spot for them i don't know notre dame's interesting they're this attractive girl at the bar that doesn't want any attention but they're they're getting hit on left and right uh (laughs) are they still an independent in in three years from now three years from now probably not i don't think that they make any decision this summer i think next year is probably the 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 time for notre dame to do something but i could see them eventually in the big 10 and if they go, does does the Big Ten want another one to go with them? And that's where maybe an Oregon goes with them. I don't know. I will say this about CU, though. You know, I, I don't think eventually when this all shakes out, they're not going to be one of the the big boys, right? They're not going to be Big Ten or SEC. I also don't believe they're going to be left out and be one of – they're not going to be a group of five team. They're, they're not going to be a – a Mountain West, you know, Conference USA type of team. I still think they're going to be in that middle tier. They're they're in that group. Uh, you know, as we mentioned, you're kind of they're in a good spot in that regard. And I don't think you could say that necessarily about like a Washington State or Oregon State that you know that they're for sure in that middle tier. But I think Colorado is. That's the part of a move the Big Twelve that w- would suck is Oregon State and Washington State. Yeah, you'd feel bad because. They're not my favorite places to go. I mean, Pullman's usually pretty darn miserable when we're there. But <laughs> yeah, you know, they're, they're pretty. As far as Pac-12 goes, they're they're pretty passionate, you know. And so, well, those are there. some of the best atmospheres. Yeah, uh, I mean, the atmospheres in Pullman have been better than you know the Rose Bowl when we've gone out there for UCLA. Yeah, there's more fans in the Rose Bowl, but it doesn't feel like it. All this really also emphasizes the the lack of push that college basketball has in all this stuff. I mean, <laughs> if it was a big factor, it's a no brainer. I think Colorado's you know announcing a move to the Big Twelve right now. I mean, if you had Arizona, Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech, uh, Houston's usually got pretty good tradition. Cincinnati, Iowa State yeah. can be pretty scrappy. Oklahoma State, BYU is pretty good. BYU is pretty good. West Virginia is a tough place to play. Kansas State's always got good athletes. Arizona State's kind of up and down. Utah as well. But, man, that would be a hell of a basketball conference. Yeah, it is crazy. Pat Rooney and I were talking about that this week, that it's amazing how, you know, we kind of use these two extreme examples, but how the currently crappy football programs of Kansas and Arizona have more pull (laughs) in this – have more say in this than their elite basketball programs. The, it's more of a factor about their football programs than their, their elite top 10 caliber basketball programs. Yeah. 
So, so it is crazy how football drives things. So Colorado has two more opportunities to, to notch a victory over USC. They, they haven't done it yet in their history. With Lincoln Riley taking over there, though, doesn't it feel like they kind of missed that opportunity already? I mean, you had the, the Steven Montez game a few years back where he was hit, no penalty. He came back in the game. It wasn't quite the same, but, you know, they lost that 10-point fourth quarter lead. And then there was a Cephalo-Lufau, Liz Frank game in 2015 where uh, they only lost by three points. They were in that game. They were, they were battling two back in 16. But th- doesn't it feel like that opportunity kind of kind of passed them by? Well, we'll see. They got two more opportunities. But I, I don't know if I'm expecting that to happen. No, I'm not expecting that to happen. And that's probably why it'll happen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean – I'm not predicting this at all, but just watch CU go out there this year and beat and beat the Trojans when they're they absolutely have probably their worst shot since the early uh, days in the Pac-12. But um, again, I'm not predicting that, but <laughs> it does feel like even if that's their only their only win this season, you need to celebrate that like it's a national championship. Oh, victory. I mean, this fan base. I don't I don't know what game that is. Game nine or whatever. If they're zero and eight going into that and beat USC. I don't care how good USC is. I don't care if CU is one and eleven. That will be a huge game, and uh, CU fans would love to stick it to uh, you know a couple of those guys that are on that team that used to be here, and uh, you know stick it to you know Mike Bone and all the all those people that are out there. So um, I don't see it happening. But you're right; it does feel like those games have been pretty decent the last really since 2015. You know, starting with that. Lufal, uh, Liz Frank game, and they've been pretty solid. I mean, there's been a couple USC blowouts, but um, they've been pretty good games. And you know, it does feel like CU missed its opportunity, but again, that's why it'll probably happen. What are the chances Chip Kelly actually coaches a, a game in the Big Ten? That's a good question. Less, less than fifty percent, right? I would say less than fifty percent. They, they got a lot more money coming in down down the road. Although he did get a, he just did get a big extension. It so is much crazy. Of, so much of that, though, is for recruiting. I don't really know. Yeah. You know, right. now, if, if they're going to make $110 million a year as a program, you, you have the money to, to fire him whenever you want to. I am curious to see, you know, they keep hyping them every year, you know, and whether they're actually going to be good. And, you know, I, I had to rem- I had to refresh my memory when I did a opponent preview the other day. But um, remember going into the CU game last year, there was a lot of talk about him being on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. And then CU has the 20 to 10 lead at halftime. And like literally uh, had CU finished that game, Chip could have been fired at the end of that game. And he didn't, I mean, they blow out CU in the second half, blow out the next two opponents and he gets a contract extension. So, <laughs> you know, the second half of that CU game probably uh, saved Chip Kelly's job. Uh, but yeah, two years down the road, is he still there? It's a good question. We've seen, seen some horrible stretches a football played by CU in our time on the beat that second half last year, that has to be in the top 10 as far as just most devastating collapses for, for a, a, a team in a game. Right. Especially as, as good as you felt about them going into halftime, they didn't dominate and they got a little fortunate, but still they're leading 20 to 10 in the Rose bowl. And, you know, they look like they finally got their offense going a little bit. And so, yeah, to see that total collapse in the second half, I mean, We've seen some second half. We've seen some epic second half collapses in our, in our time covering this uh, this program. Yeah. Any loose ends we need to tie up? Again, we're. It's hard to predict the future. I think 
the fact of Oregon not getting that Big Ten invite makes the most likely outcome that that there is going to be some Pac-10, Pac-12 in the future that CU will most likely be a part of unless, I mean, th- these things can change quickly. And if the projections aren't there, if ESPN doesn't want it uh, to make it worthwhile mm-hmm. for that conference to still exist, then, then I guess it won't. But uh, anything we're not mentioning here? I don't think so. I mean, I, I do think at this point, the options are either probably some sort of agreement between the ACC or some sort of Pac-12, Big 12 merger of some sort or defection of some sort. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to have a story today. I, I chat with Chuck Ninus, um, who a lot of CU fans probably know. I mean, still lives in the area, uh, former commissioner of the Big 12 and, and the Big 8. And uh, he was very plugged in. You know, I mean, he still is. But, like, I mean, he led a lot of this stuff. I mean, he was he's one of the big game changers in college football history. Uh, but he reminded me, he said, hey, it's hard to predict these things because politics behind the scenes are so hard to, to know what's going on behind the scenes. And so that's why it's tough to project, but uh, um, that's why there's so many, so much speculation out there. It's because nobody knows, I mean, you know, it's all comes down to, you know, what ESPN wants to do and yeah. probably what Fox wants to do. I guess one other piece of news recently was Phil McGagan getting the title of assistant head coach. Darrell mentioned in the release that he thinks he's a future head coach. Yeah, uh, you remember it was the regular signing period, first Wednesday in February. Phil McGagan takes a seat, and five minutes into that, you're going, "This this guy's got it. He's got right. the ability to really connect with people, even in an awkward press conference type setting." We had a chance to talk to him this spring again as well. You know, he's he's got a way with people, and he does so without it kind of being a narcissistic way. That you know, not to pile on Darren Cheverini, but. That was kind of clear after a couple of years of, okay, there's a lot of talk here, but you know, if his players aren't loving him after they've been on campus for a couple of years, that's an issue. Phil McGagan has only been on campus for six months. So maybe we're jumping to conclusions here, but right. there's just a vibe with him that I don't know how long he's going to be in Boulder, but he's going to be a great asset to the program as long as he is. Yeah, I agree with you. And he, he definitely has head coach vibes to him, carries himself very well. And um, I know it's a very small thing, but uh you know, you and I've kind of joked about it in the past, but in the spring, we did that press conference with him after one of the practices and there was some sort of uh, issue with the elevator, right? Remember the control room of the elevator and it was going on during his press conference and he was so smooth in how he was, you know, he, he kind of didn't even break stride. He's, he's answering the question. He says, if we can make that any louder, that'd be great. You know, and just kind of goes on. It was just kind of, you know, he has a little charisma to him and uh, you know, he's funny and, uh, and, and it, didn't phase him whatsoever, you know, on the flip side, and this is not knocking Kyle Devan at all, but like that, I think it was the same day we had the, bu- the member the Buffalo bells walking yeah, through yeah, <laughs> and he was completely distracted, you know, by them walking through and, and couldn't even, uh, you know, collect his thoughts for that, for that quick minute. But, uh, you know, so a little bit different. there. I like both guys. I'm not, I'm knocking Kyle Devan at all, but I'm more praising, uh, you know, Phil McGagan for you know how he handled that. But, uh, you know, I like the guy, I think he's a head coach in waiting at some point. So we have the Casati Classic coming up here, Brian. It's Dave Platty's golf tournament every year. We we uh, we play in it every year. We played in it together. Was it last year or the year before? We had Darian Hagen and uh, yeah. Adi Pesaveno in our group. Yeah, was that last year? 2020, it didn't happen, I don't think. But it was either last year or three years ago. Yeah, but it's yeah. always a fun event. Uh, Hagen was great to play with. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a great guy just to be around. Yes. Uh, and we did Bobby his, was too. 
Yeah, we did uh, Darian Hagen's charity game in April. That was yeah. a phenomenal event as well. Uh, but how, how is the golf game looking? Are we going to break 100 this year, Brian? <laughs> uh, I may not have played since the last time I played in the Kasadi Classic. Okay. So um, am I going to break 100? No. I can guarantee that. Um, I have won the award for the worst score before, and uh, it wouldn't surprise me if I won it again. So, Who holds that go. all time? Isn't it Natalie Meisler? I think it's Natalie oh. Meisler, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as bad as I was the one year I, I did it, I wasn't as bad as uh, Natalie was one year. So I do have that. And Rick George usually talks to us at this event. Uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that might not happen this year. I think he is. Okay. Actually. So um, he's not playing. I don't think he's playing. I know he recently had uh, some back surgery, um, but I don't think he's playing. But I do believe from what I've heard, there will be a roundtable from Rick there. So, but. I did hear that before all the USC thing, all that, all that stuff came down. So okay. I guess that, that yeah, I guess I don't know if that's for sure going to happen. <laughs> that was before well, all the uh, conference realignment stuff. Well, Rick needs to stop having surgeries because I think Mel Tucker bolted when he had a surgery back in 2019, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. He was a little under the weather at that point. So got to put him in some bubble wrap for the, <laughs> the betterment that, of CU football going forward. Right. Get that back taken care of. I All do right, think uh, one last thing. Yeah. Back to media day is going to be interesting later this month. Yeah, I just booked my travel the other day. I'm kind of always on the fence with that because we have a whole network. I know you can get a ton of content out of talking to other Pac-12 players and coaches, whereas we've got a whole network of other uh, team sites. So I don't get quite as much out of it. But yeah. you know, we haven't we haven't had a chance to talk to Carl Durrell since spring ball either. So uh, right. Yeah, I booked the travel out there, but it is going to be an interesting vibe out there, especially if things are kind of in limbo the way they are right now. Well, if things move fast and you've got a couple of these teams that jump into the to the Big 12, is it possible that uh, when we get out there in L.A. in a few weeks that half the conference is on its way out? We'll see. Hard <laughs> that could be interesting. All right, Brian, it was fun catching up with you. Looking forward. To, I feel like I've rested up enough i'm kind of anxious for camp now you've got some vacations coming up though right yeah you got a little uh you know family uh road trip here coming up and i don't know how relaxing that'll be but it'll be nice to get away and step away from the computer for a few days yeah all right brian it was good catching up with you yeah you too